electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Coming off three straight gains for the Dow and the S&P. Futures are steady amid a wave of earnings from retailers and tech. Yellen meets with regulators and jobless claims lowest since November. Yields on the long bond, the highest since March. Our roadmap begins with Apple's EV play nearing a deal with Hyundai Kia for that long-awaited Apple car. Plus, pharma transition. Merck CEO Ken Frazier announcing his retirement from this from the role later this year. And Treasury Secretary Yellen set to meet with regulators this morning to discuss the recent retail frenzy in the markets. Carl. Hey, Jim, you just tweeted you're excited about this show. I wonder if it's about Apple. How can you not be? When we talk about companies doing things in gigantic markets, scale markets, which, of course, is what Phil LeBeau's expertise is, the, the biggest one, cars, and the Apple brand name, probably the finest uh, consumer satisfaction brand name in the world, connected, obviously, here with Hyundai. So if that's the case, Carl, if you're not excited about this, then you really are just fixated on a a brick-and-mortar place to be able to buy uh, PlayStations. I prefer to think about a much bigger market, which is cars and the best brand name in the world, which is Apple. So I can't wait to hear what Phil has to say. Yeah, we're going to talk to Phil in a minute. Um, David, you know, a couple big points uh, being made on Phil's remarkable scoop yesterday. One is who better uh, vertically integrates hardware, software and services than Apple and who increases the overall TAM after they get into a market like this? (laughs) Yeah, a total adjustable market. We hear a lot about that, don't we? Every SPAC seems to uh, be have a, a greatly expanding total addressable market. But you're right, Carl. Uh, if they are move into this in, in a real way, uh, it, one would expect that it will attract interest from many different consumers for any number of different reasons, including, of course, all those people who are so passionate about so many of their different Apple products. And we know we're in the midst of a revolution as it is. I mean, we don't talk autonomous anymore, although perhaps we should come back to it, given, uh, Carl, we had thought perhaps we'd be at a point where we'd actually start seeing autonomous vehicles all over our roads. But we do talk a lot about electric vehicles, uh, which are going to be a very important part of our future, if not our present. Yeah. Let's get to Phil LeBeau, of course, who brought us this uh, yesterday. Talk more about what may be in play. Morning, Phil. Good morning, Carl. Let's uh, run down what we broke yesterday afternoon uh, after hearing this and confirming this with multiple sources. So this is a story that we've been working on for some time. Here's where things stand between Apple and Hyundai Kia. They are in talks, have been in talks for some time, about reaching an agreement, finalizing an agreement where 
there would be production of an Apple car at the Kia plant in West Point, Georgia. That's about 90 miles southwest of Atlanta. Uh, it's a plant that's been around for a number of years. There are Kia models that are built there right now, and they have available capacity. It would be an autonomous electric vehicle. I heard David mention autonomous. That's the key part of this, and I'll explain why in a little bit. It is scheduled for production in 2024, though the people I've talked with have said, look, this might get pushed back a bit. It might not happen until 2025. The Apple hardware and software will be in the vehicle. In other words, this will not be Apple software in a Kia model. This will be an Apple car with Apple playing the dominant role in both the design of the hardware of the vehicle, physical hardware of the vehicle, as well as the software. We reached out to representatives from Apple for a comment on our uh, reporting yesterday afternoon. The company declined to comment. And as you take a look at shares of Hyundai, we also reached out to representatives from Hyundai. They also declined to comment. Overnight, our colleagues in Europe were interviewing the CEO of Volvo, Hawken Samuelsen, and they asked him about this report. And here's what he had to say about Apple becoming an automaker. Apple and Tesla big ones. They will be, uh, they will be putting pressure on, on the traditional premium makers. And, and the best way to react is, of course, to adapt. And he went on to say that you've got to adapt by becoming a, a premium automaker who can offer electric and autonomous and everything that Apple is going to be getting into in this market. Uh, real quick, guys, we're showing you Ford because we'll be hearing from Ford after the bell on Q4 results. Curious, uh, during the conference call, Jim, how many questions uh, CEO Jim Farley may get about Apple and its uh, move towards uh, finalizing a deal with Hyundai Kia? Jim? Phil, I think, I think they have to, Phil, because I think that one of the most curious things for people who are watching the show right now is we know that uh, Apple has the finest consumer reputation in the world. We know that Ford... Yep is uh, under Mr. Farley doing better and better. But, but Phil, you are a huge believer in watching consumer reports and what people think of brands. Is this a brand that is equal to Apple when it comes to consumer satisfaction? Are you talking about Ford? If Ford is equal to Apple in terms of consumer no, satisfaction? Hyundai. Hun Hyundai. Hyundai. Hyundai because, within the auto industry? Yeah, I, well, look, and, and this gets into why would Apple want to partner with Hyundai? Um, and it comes down to this. One of the driving factors here is the chairman of Hyundai. Uh, his name is E.S. Chung. And he became the chairman of the company in October. But, you know, the family has long been uh, guiding Hyundai, not only in the auto business, but they're in a number of different industries in Korea. And he has said, goal number one, mobility. Mobility as a service is goal number one in the future. Not to be just an automaker, but to have mobility at the core of everything that Hyundai does. And there are some people, Jim, who will sit there in the auto industry and says, you're letting the fox into the hen house if you let Apple into your plant. You think that Apple is going to help you? Hyundai does believe that Apple will actually help Hyundai as it develops its own portfolio of, electra, of electric as well as autonomous vehicles. And if you are Apple, why would you partner with somebody like Hyundai? Or Carl, they've got a great reputation when it comes to reliability and manufacturing expertise. There's no doubting that at all. Ask people in the auto industry to name the two or three automakers that they look up to in terms of saying who has it and who does it right. Toyota, Hyundai, they're at the top of the list. And so if you're Apple, it makes sense to pot potentially strike this deal with Hyundai to build this Apple car in Georgia. Yeah. 
Phil, while we have you, uh, much shorter term, I wonder what you made of uh, the GM statement yesterday about ship shortages, uh, other uh, third-party yeah. research looking at production being impacted in the first half. How acute is that going to be? Uh, it'll impact the entire industry. I think the first quarter global auto production is going to be down about 3 4 5%, somewhere in that range. This is worldwide, Carl. And for a while, General Motors was able to get in front of this uh, by working with their suppliers and adjusting their schedules. But eventually, the chip shortage is for everybody. It's not just a GM problem or a Ford problem. Uh, they're trying to adjust production, Carl, and focus on still building the full-size pickup trucks, the SUVs, the Corvettes, the high-profit vehicles. Guys, back to you. Phil, uh, great work. Uh, talk to you soon. Obviously, so much you going bet. on uh, on your beat, Jim. And uh, you've been uh, pretty prescient on looking at that chip shortage and how it would impact the car business. Look, uh, last night, KLA 10 Core reported, and what was the theme? There's too much demand. They make semiconductor capital equipment. We're going to be following Qualcomm very closely today. They couldn't make the numbers. Why? Because they have a chip shortage. We know that when these auto companies report, they have certain uh, businesses, uh, certain lines, and Phil Lebeau has really helped me endlessly on this, that simply can't make the product, including a lot of products that are in great demand. I think it's going to crimp the numbers. I think it's going to make people say, wait a second, there are real issues here that can't be solved short term. And that is true, Carl. It takes a lot of equipment and a lot of spending to be able to build out new foundries. And everyone was caught unawares, except for last night, I and Liam Griffin on. Liam Griffin from Skyworks said, listen, we have no shortage. He saw it coming. It depended on vision, Carl. Not everybody had vision, but one man did, Liam Griffin. That's why I like Skyworks so much. Yeah, we'll talk more about that uh, this morning. We do want to pivot, guys, uh, to Merck, uh, the company, as you may know by now, announcing that Ken Frazier will step down as CEO at the end of June. He'll be succeeded by CFO Robert Davis, moved to the role of executive chair. Frazier, of course, uh, one of the few black corporate chiefs in this country. He's been CEO since 2011, and the stock has more than doubled during his tenure. Uh, Jim, I know you're a fan. They do guide higher this morning as well. Well, Ken Frazier has done some things here at Merck that has made it so that uh, I am, it, he is one of my personal favorites. I, I lost my mom to cancer at a very young age. I would go back and forth with Ken. Ken did not make any claims that said that his drug, which is the most important drug right now fighting cancer, Keytruda, was going to perform miracles. That, that's Ken's nature. He didn't want to give people false hope. At the same time, he drove profitability. Uh, he is leaving the company. Well, he's stepping up in very good hands with a CFO. But, Carl, it takes a great deal out of a CEO to not make claims. And when you're talking about people's health and those of us who have lost loved ones to cancer, all we ever want to hear is truth. We want to hear trust. Ken Frazier, he represents trust. Second day in a row, Jim, uh, after Bezos, where we're seeing a CEO leave but remain executive chair. And there's some uh, discussion this morning about what that means for the incoming CEOs, uh, how much of uh, they have someone looking over their shoulder, at least in the early days. Is that a healthy trend? I think it is. I mean, you have some CEOs who just say, see you later. I mean, one of the things I loved about Dave Cody when he retired Honeywell, I went to a retirement dinner and there was uh, Darius Adamczyk and he said to Darius, hey, see you later. And look at the job that Darius has done in Honeywell. But some people like to be able to be consulted with. I also, in this era where we're so worried about CEOs who leave, when you hear that executive chairman, what it says is, 
Listen, there's absolutely nothing going on other than the fact of an excellent transition. And that matters greatly because we're not saying we're not sitting here right now discussing whether anything happened with Ken Frazier. What we're saying is, well, you know what? He's moving on. Jeff Bezos moving on. And we know that because they took the executive chairman role. So I always feel very confident when I hear it. Uh, I, I love Ken. I, I, many of us love Ken because we know that Ken is a person who stands for conscience. And I, I don't want to say he'll be missed because he'll be executive chairman. I sure hope he comes on our show a lot because he's a delight uh, and he's an inspiration. By the way, his talk to the Philadelphia Eagles is still being talked about as the greatest inspirational talk that they've had in a decade. Uh, take a listen. I think we have a bit of sound here of Frazier. Is this from this morning uh, on the call? Let's hear what he said. It has been a distinct honor and privilege to serve this great company as its CEO over the past decade. I thank all of my Merck colleagues for their extraordinary support throughout this period. We are making this leadership change secure in the knowledge that Merck has the elements in place for a strong future of scientific innovation and profitable growth. Rob Davis is well prepared and well suited to help Merck capitalize on the many exciting opportunities before it, as well as to take on the challenges that lie ahead. By the way, David, I mean, you're doing this great new digital series about how CEOs over time are speaking out on topics beyond just the immediate business. Certainly, Frazier has been one of the most powerful and effective voices when it comes to addressing race and opportunity gaps in this country? No doubt. Uh, and his voice has been a very important one. And in fact, other CEOs have seen him choose to uh, engage, and that has emboldened them to do the same. Yeah, it's, a, it's very interesting, and I appreciate your mentioning it, because we're going to continue to do these series of, of CEO interviews, uh, uh, Carl, exploring sort of this new willingness of corporate America to wade into areas that we've discussed many times that had simply been very reluctant to do so in the past. Guys, did want to just quickly put a, 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 an end on a, a story that we've been following for some time. Haven't mentioned it. It's CoreLogic. You guys may remember that. It is getting sold. 80 bucks a share uh, is the purchase price. Interestingly, the stock had actually moved up because there were reports of an all-stock bid from one of the other potential buyers for the company. But the buyer is private equity, uh, and it's going to be announced momentarily. Um, Stone Point Capital and Insight Partners, and again, it's 80 bucks a share. It's all cash. They've got, the, uh, they've got the financing, obviously, in place. You might wonder why would the company choose uh, 80 bucks over what was a higher bid all stock? Well, certainty is certainly a, a key one there. Uh, and so they went with uh, what they felt was the certain uh, all cash, 80 bucks. And again, that, I don't know that the release is quite out yet, but it will be in a moment, uh, is my understanding, prior to the open. But we did want to sort of put an end to that because, remember, of course, the company did come out. We reported it and said that they had interest above, at or above 80 bucks a share. They did finally make good on that. Had an auction. A number of, uh, a number of firms sort of peeled away, but they ended up having enough to get to that $80 a share offer. Remember, we've had Bill Foley on. Of course, they started all this, Senator, with what it was a $66 or $67 a share bid at one point. Uh, I should say Kinney and Senator, Senator being the hedge fund that was involved. But guys, uh, CLGX, big provider of all sorts of data into the mortgage market. Obviously, as you might imagine, given the uh, 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 ebullience in the housing market, their business has been quite strong. 80 bucks a share, private equity. Carl, with that, I'll send it back to you. 
All right. Jim, uh, any thoughts on that? Well, look, I think that I've used their data. It's rather extraordinary. Some of these fintech companies are so are really amazing. We'll be talking, obviously, about PayPal. But uh, CoreLogic's been someone who's reliable. Uh, I think that this is one of those situations, I'm sure David's going to be covering it not that long from now, where it'll come republic at $100. And we'll say, well, what an opportunity. Uh, the, these, the fact that there are so many companies that have uh, really have a higher price to them reminds me, once again, there's so many people who say the market's expensive. Well, it turned out there were multiple people very smart buying, wanting to buy CoreLogic. So, uh, David, again, of course, unbelievable work. But it's worth every penny. It's right. a darn good company. You're right, Jim. It'll come public in three years with uh, with Betsy Cohen's 25th fintech spac. That's what it'll. Uh, that's what. <laughs> that's what'll bring it public. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, that's sort of where we are in the story. We'll take a break here. A lot of uh, earnings to get to. We mentioned a couple of them in retail and technology. Qualcomm, uh, PayPal, Ralph Lauren, Clorox, Canada Goose, uh, Yum. And we'll talk about what the Treasury Secretary said this morning on Good Morning America about regulation and the economy in the months ahead. Don't go away. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. We really need to make sure that our financial markets are functioning properly, efficiently, and that investors are protected. And we're going to discuss these recent events and discuss whether or not um, that the recent events warrant uh, further action. That's the Treasury Secretary this morning uh, taking her message, Jim, to a broad audience on Good Morning America, talking about regulation, uh, not not specific to GameStop, but also talking about the stimulus package again, repeating better to go big than not big enough, and says that the economy does face what she called some tough months ahead. Uh, she's a, a remarkable person. She's got the eye on the prize, which is putting men, as many people to work as possible and getting so that people can put food on the dinner table. But I'm also gratified that she's addressing directly the idea that perhaps people have been disenfranchised, disenfranchised by what happened last week and that not everyone may be treated equally. And look, regulation uh, needs disinfectant first. We've got to find out what happened. I hope that Secretary Yellen analyzes, and, and, and David, you know how important this is, did the individual investor at Robinhood get the best price? Was there an opportunity to be able to get so that you really did get everything you needed for commission trading being free? And then, David, you know, like, what is the element of trust here when you have different stocks that you can't trade 
especially when you're so enthusiastic and you want to be able to get the price of a stock that you're not even allowed to trade with. What does that say? Yeah, I, I, there's maybe you want, you want more transparency in some way. I don't know, Jim. Listen, also, I assume they'll take a look on the short side and some of these charges of, you know, 140 percent of the of the float being short, which, by the way, I do not believe was the case. I think there was a lot of double counting there. It's my understanding, Jim, and you may know better than I that, uh, you know, they're, they they're you can't make it short. You can't do it. Uh, at least you'll get calls pretty quickly from the regulators if you try to do it. So. I, you know, I would like to see the evidence of those numbers that were out there that were shared by the likes of Chamath on our air, for example. I've never believed they were true. Wow. Okay, that, that's very important because it, at, at the heart of the thesis from some websites, obviously, was that we can break this company because there's more shares that are shorter than uh, right. are in existence. But you know what, David, you're, you're totally right. Just in terms of the disclosure, it's been so crummy. I mean, it's just been it's been monumentally bad. And if Secretary Yellen actually did, Vlad Tanev had a really good point. Uh, and I know a lot of people are, 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 are of course, crucifying him. But uh, that if you did have better settlement, same day settlement, yeah. maybe some of this wouldn't happen. Well, I come back and say, if you didn't use a lot of margin, maybe you wouldn't have been hurt. But we got to stay on this story. I, Secretary Yellen, uh, very hands on, David. I really like that. Really good, Carl. Yep, uh, starting out uh, with, a, with a big microphone, that's for sure. Guys, we'll talk about how that trade in general has settled down over the past few days. In fact, the VIX, lowest or biggest drop over three days on record. Futures are up. We're back in a moment. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, we're going to squeeze in a mad dash, Jim, before we get to an opening bell. PayPal reported earnings. Did you like them? Dan Schulman delivered maybe one of the finest quarters of the year, David. And he, he, they're talking about total payment volume, average revenue per user from $70 to, as I quote my friend Lisa Ellis at Moffitt Nathanson, who knows? A question mark. This is one of those uh, amazing stories. The, the, you're talking about 73 million new users that they added. A lot of people felt that PayPal was never going to be able to do that well after the split off with eBay. And we'll be talking about that. Well, that's just completely wrong. This has become maybe the worldwide bank for a lot of people. They also had some good information about crypto. Uh, I don't know, David. They even also made a, uh, what I think is a challenge to a firm. They're offering a, a buy now, pay later. Dan Schulman has taken this situation, let's call it from institutional to, or business to business, to consumer. Uh, again, great signs of trust here. I don't think the stock's done going up. I see multiple price target boosts. I think the stock can head to 300. Is it too big? David, if you are the bank to the world that's not based on plastic and not based on cash, well, then you're Dan Schulman and your PayPal. Uh, $295 billion going much higher, higher. David. Going it's much higher. Amazing. And I remember sitting there when yep. uh, with John Donahoe initially when he was a CEO of eBay saying we're not going to split them. And he came back and he did split them. You think about that. Carl Icahn, you were right on that one. 
300 billion for one. And by the way, eBay shares, as you pointed out, Carl, having a pretty good morning, but still only about a 40 some odd billion dollar value market value there. Uh, PayPal became the giant far and away. Yeah. Speaking of which, guys, uh, PayPal profit 3x year on year. Um, record payment volume, I think, as, um, as, uh, as Jim was mentioning. And, Jim, you know, the trend of guidance, the ratio of companies guiding higher as we look at the opening bell there, is the highest it's been since the mid-2000s. I was keeping a list of the last few days. Pfizer, EA, NXPI, Merck, Clorox, Texan, AMD. Um, whether that, that's because analysts had more of a cloudy view of the pandemic, I guess, remains to be seen. But that trend's good. I think you're dead right, Carl. What happened is, is that a lot of people felt that in a pandemic, no one can do as well. So numbers came down across the board. Well, it turned out there are haves and there have nots. We're going to be talking to Clorox tonight on uh, Mad Money. It was an extraordinary quarter. People are now saying, you know what? Clorox is the kind of, uh, of stock you buy if you're going to be staying at home. It's a nesting stock. One of the things I find that is so curious about this moment, Carl, is people don't know whether we're nesting or people don't know whether we're going out. But you tweeted this morning uh, <laughs> headlines from a British paper uh, about uh, past the peak. And when we see that, Carl, do we want to get on a plane or do we want to nest with Clorox? I think that's really the issue. As we take a look at cheers. Uh, yeah. Uh, there it is. Oh, GameStop. Yes. Yeah. Got to look at GameStop, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, while we talk about, you know, oh, totally. when you when you say Clorox, Jim, I, I always think of uh, back when we were at the New York Stock Exchange and you talk about Clorox having a higher multiple than Apple. Don't think that's the case any longer, although I assume Clorox's multiple is up there, but Apple's has moved up pretty substantially, hasn't it? Yeah, I, look, I, one of the things that Apple's gotten credit for analysis, service revenue stream, and Clorox is at 22 times earnings, and while that's terrific, Apple's become this uh, uh, 36 times earnings story, and why? It's because they're no longer just handset. I remember when the company said, listen, we're not going to give you just handset numbers, and the analysts were just aghast. They were saying, well, it must be really bad, but what they're really saying is, we are more than just a handset company. Well, they sure are, and as of Phil LeBeau's uh, breaking story today, if, if they do with Hyundai, if they get that car going, then we're not going to be thinking about this company as a, a cell phone company. We'll be thinking of it as a consumer product company across many brands, and you know, David, that, car, that carries with it a much higher price journeys multiple than a company that is just lever to uh, something that's in your hand. Absolutely. Yep. Um, GameStop, David. GameStop. <laughs> it's down. Game. Say it after me. Game. Stop game. Stop game. GameStop. Uh, yeah. Oh, look, Mace Rich. Uh, by the way, you know, it, it, I mean, it's also other stocks we've talked <laughs> about. Viacom is down a little bit. It's been sort of swept up a little bit in that short squeeze the shorts frenzy. Up 35% still this year. I do notice it's down. Discovery also, though a little less, but swept up in that. Guys, though, you know, as you know, every morning I sort of wake up and all I think about SPACs, right? And why I didn't launch one with Jim when we were asked to. But uh, we'd be on number six by now, Jim. I don't know, you know, easily. yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm running out of names. What we instead of Churchill, who should we have done? Lincoln? No, I think he's probably taken. I don't know. Marshall, don't know. General Marshall, good reputation. Marshall, yeah, it was I'm good. Not sure. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, you could have well, gone with Marshall, that one. Marshall we could have gone with a bunch of Omar Bradley. He's got pretty good. We could go with a bunch of Eisenhower. We could go through all the good generals. Eisenhower still resonates. Yeah, Ike Ike resonates, David. Yeah, then know, we could really move does. on and to I've sort tell of. You, you know, we could move down there. Maybe that. Yeah, the, uh, to some of the. Um, scientists who uh, who knows i don't know we could have figured it out we could have figured it out 
I know. Um, but some people have figured it out well. And uh, yes. today, it's we t- have a lot of excitement about Clover, David. We, we Clover's do. Clover's really in the news. We you do. That was a deal uh, that Chamath Pala Hapatia was on uh, our air uh, promoting, of course, when they did that deal. He's done a few since then, SoFi being a key one. But Hindenburg comes out. You know this firm. This is the firm that came out with the long report yeah. on Nikola uh, and dramatically cut the value of that company's uh, stock. Still well above 10 bucks is well, Nikola, uh, but nowhere near the highs it once was when, uh, when Hindenburg came out. And really, the main thing we always remember, of course, is the truck going down the hill without actually having any being right. propelled by anything. Right. Well, um, but on this one, yeah, Jim, was, listen, I don't, yeah. you know, uh, they question Clover's business model. They say that, uh, according to them, and again, we haven't confirmed any of these things, that there is a, the DOJ is taking a look at some of their business practices. But we talk a lot about SPACs, Jim, in general. Uh, the good and the bad and the ugly, uh, they continue every day. We will continue to have people on, of course. So many new companies coming to the market. I mean, for a long time, we were starved for for new companies because so many stayed private so long because they could get the funding they needed in the private markets. That has changed dramatically with the advent of SPACs. But you've made the point many times. The SPAC files, then when they do the deal, for example, 23andMe today, they say it's worth $3.5 billion, but the projections, they don't have to stand by quite the same way when they put them in an S1, do they? No, I, I think Tom Farley had some great comments this morning on Squawk Box about, frankly, the ability to be able to project kind of whatever you want. That's a little bit of loose uh, uh, interpretation of what Tom said. But you know what, David, when I read the, the Hindenburg headline, I don't know, maybe you can tell me whether this is suboptimal or not. Clover Health, how the king of SPACs lured retail investors into a broken business facing an active, undisclosed Department of Justice investigation. David, you know, when I see a lot of buy, sell, hold, and I hear you said good, bad, ugly, this kind of reminds me of Lee Van Cleef in the movie Good, Bad, and Ugly, or Eli Wallach. This is Mm. not a story about Clint Eastwood, okay? It's not Clint. No. By the way, Lee Van Cleef was so under, underrated, it, it, it's, a, it's a travesty. There's not, even a, there's not even a monument in Vegas for that guy. I know. Uh, meanwhile, we're looking at AMC and GameStop while you are talking about Clover. But, yeah. Oh, oh thank uh, heavens. Yeah. Thank you. Did we get Bed Bath and Beyond? We didn't do Bed I don't Bath? know if we did. Um, I don't know that we did. But, uh, yeah, again, huh. we've got two stories here. One, that one is down dramatically. You've got, obviously, you heard from right. Mr. Branson. Uh, earlier with his latest uh, venture, 23andMe will be going public in a three and a half billion value in the company at three and a half billion dollars. You know, uh, um, listen, I, again, I get accused, Jim, of being too negative by so many of the people, many of them whom are my friends who are sponsors of SPACs. And as I've said, everybody's got a SPAC and a dream. These days, everybody seems to also have a pipe that goes along with it. And you do get some very well-heeled investors who participate there. Uh, and we'll have to wait and see. A lot of capital coming in as well to the EV uh, space. That will be viewed perhaps positively. You're going to have winners and losers like you do in everything. But you do have to continue to question the due diligence, and you do have to continue to wonder whether, given this preponderance of capital that has moved so dramatically into the hands of SPAC managers, what it's going to be like when they're chasing all these private companies, and how quickly is it going to be a race to the bottom, or whether there's enough private companies out there to fill the demand without really uh, lessening the quality, I guess, is the question, Jim. Well, I'm so glad you bring that up, because I have friends, obviously, as you do, who are doing SPACs, 
Uh, and they're, they'll call you and say, look, I, I, anything to buy, anything to buy. The one that I've watched that I think is a very standard one is UTZ, U-T-Z because it's potato chips. It's easy to understand. Uh, and it's done quite well. And I keep telling people who talk to me about SPACs, and it's like they talked about SPACs the way they talked to you about the big game this Sunday. Uh, well, who do we, who, who's out there? Who's out there? Well, David, that isn't the way business is done. You don't just say who's out there. What you say is, I have a mission I believe in something. I think I can make a difference. I'm not getting that from a lot of these people. Now, maybe they have it, David. But in the end, what I see are a lot of people who are saying, I want to make more money than I currently do. I don't know. Is it 2007 on this? No, not yet. Do I like it? Eh, You know, David, I'm starting to I'm starting to really question whether it's become more fantasy football than it is reality business. Yeah. But, Carl, it's going to be with us for the foreseeable future. And I keep trying to understand as well who's getting disintermediated here. Some of it is early is growth capital, not even late stage anymore that's coming in. Maybe it's the venture capital who you know typically value these companies that is getting disintermediated to some extent. The investment banks, are they? Well, they're not collecting the 7% that they would with all these companies going public. But given the volume, they're doing great right now, even if it isn't quite yep. as much. Yep. And they get, it counts as on the merger side, too. So they take this back public, then they get credit for the merger right. as well. And there's some finance sometimes it goes along with it so right now it's everybody's at the trough um but guys all, you know uh, back to earnings carl i don't know if you take a look at qualcomm shares of course steve molenkoff stepping down as we we've we know we, he was on the quarter they reported not being that well received by investors right now stock down about seven percent at qualcomm Yep. Um, and to your earlier point david about uh, financials uh, leading once again which jim sort of brings me to what um, B of A mentions this morning about rates. Uh, they say, you know, the longstanding mantra is there is no alternative, Tina. But their forecast is for 10-year 175 by year-end. And at 175, the percentage of S&P names that yield more than the 10-year drops from 64% to 44%, Jim. I don't know if you're looking at uh, 175 for year-end, but we do have the uh, 30-year approaching two now. Yes, we do. And I think people deserve better than that rate. Uh, I've been looking at high yield bonds because I think some of them represent some good value. And I'll speak to one that I think that David was pretty much at the forefront about. David, Boeing did a very big deal. Uh, it, it was really kind of at, at the moment of the darkest moment of this particular uh, era when it comes to the pandemic. And everyone made out very, very well. So I think that I'm looking at Ford paper. I know Ford reports we may not like what happens with the chip shortage. We may find out that Ford has warranty issues. But that's another piece of paper I'm looking at. Can you believe, David, that people made so much money buying Boeing paper at a moment during a pandemic when no one was flying and Boeing had so many issues? No. I mean, and you're right. It, it ended up being a seminal moment when we look back in terms of at least perhaps turning psychology because it did seem to be such an important company that was so vulnerable at that moment and then they go out and they sell 26 billion dollars worth of debt if i remember correctly i don't remember the date but i bet if we look back we would also see a significant turn occurring in the broader markets after that deal jim you're so right and now they're already what they're already going about refinancing some of it aren't they 
Yes, and Greg Smith, who's the CFO there, he keeps a great ship. And you saw that refinancing $9 billion the other day. A lot of people were saying, yes, tissue equity. He was stalwart and saying, look, we've got the cash flow. I regard this as being one of the premier stocks if you think that the world, the world is going to reopen. It's a jab stock, I'm starting to say. And when I look at all the different Boeing pieces of paper and where they're selling at, that was the buy, not the tenure. That was the buy, David. That's what you should have been looking at. Yeah. Another beneficiary, of course, well, not that Boeing was. That's completely wrong. A beneficiary of what's been going on has been eBay. We talked about it, but I wanted to mention it again because we are going to be hearing from the company's CEO. Only a second interview, an exclusive here uh, in the next hour, Jamie Iannone. Uh, but take a look at shares of, uh, of eBay, kind of uh, moving uh, dramatically higher, even higher than its one-time uh, companion PayPal shares, which Jim already went into. They had a very good quarter. A lot of people at home, they're using eBay, and they've got new people on there as well. Active buyers up 7%. Gross merchandise volume uh, was $26.6 billion for the fourth quarter. That was up 21% on a reported basis, and revenue up 28%. Uh, we'll talk to him, though, about the future. In particular, the question, of course, is when you start to lap these comparisons over the period of time when everybody was at home, things, Jim, may not quite look as good. I think you have to talk about that. The uh, deepening seller base, buyer growth, superior execution. We know that management has come in and done a good job. Uh, e-commerce, of course, is something that's very important for everybody. And we haven't even talked about, say, Ralph Lauren and e-commerce. And we haven't talked about the idea that uh, the e-commerce and what's going to happen with the big game this weekend. But I will point out, David, they called out sneakers and watches. Sneakers are something people trade the way that I used to think we traded trading cards. But it's a very profitable business. I think you're going to have to ask him about particular categories. And by the way, Europe has always loved eBay. So I remember when people said, as you were mentioning, uh, sell PayPal because it was going to lose the eBay business, and this is the seminal year for that, and buy eBay. Well, it, clearly that was wrong, but I, I think that eBay under this management, David, has a very good call on what the consumer wants to do at home. Maybe they're bored, and when they're not bored, people will do something else. But right now, I just flat-out good quarter, David, just a flat-out good quarter. Carl? All right, Game guys, uh, we do Game have stop. the NASDAQ and the Russell NASDAQ Russell above their record closes. No intraday highs yet this morning. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. Hey, guys. Uh, happy Thursday. And we're very close, Carl, on a new high for the S&P. So where are we here? 3840 or so? 3855, remember, was the old closing high on the S&P 500. That was just back January 25th. So uh, a lot of these concerns about uh, GameStops and systemic risks starting to fade a bit. Just take a look at these sectors here. Banks having a, another good time. They've been up several days in a row. Tech is up, although, uh, of course, semiconductors are under a little bit of pressure on Qualcomm. Uh, energy uh, oil essentially is at a one-year high right now. Some positive comments uh, from, uh, from some of the big oil producers uh, there from OPEC. Uh, industrials are up and consumer staples at five, down 5% so far this year. They've done nothing uh, the entire year. Very flat. The shorts, uh, GameStop was flattish pre-open, but it's essentially down uh, again uh, here right at the open. A lot of uh, selling pressure right at the open. AMC also down uh, and the other ones uh, expressed down a little bit, as you can see here. In terms of earnings, I like looking at what I call pandemic-influenced earnings. Allstate, did you see this net income up 52%? A sharp reduction in car wrecks. There's a lot fewer miles driven. The auto insurers have been giving some premium refunds. Uh, maybe they should be giving more uh, at this point. PayPal, I thought was interesting. Boy, online buying is just surging. 2021 guidance says total payment volume will be up 25%. 
uh, and they're expanding the crypto offering, of course, that got a lot of attention. Grubhub fee caps instituted in cities to help independent restaurants are hurting their profits. They said they made 52 cents, but they would have made $1.50 if it wasn't for these fee caps. And you can see that's hurting Grubhub there. Always like looking at that. As for the regulators, uh, this Janet Yellen meeting with the regulators, very good for her to get out in front of that, but a lot of concern on Wall Street. My trader talk today has a, a story about this. Two big issues. One, SEC potentially looking at market manipulation. A lot of people I've talked to say this does not suggest a traditional pump and dump operation. This will be very difficult to prove any kind of market manipulation here. But I think FINRA, which is the organization that regulates the brokers and the broker dealers, they have put out a statement earlier this week and much more interesting. They're looking this year as to focus on gamification of trading. That's a very broad topic. And it includes things like suitability. That's a very loaded term. It's a legal term. It basically says you've got to put your uh, investors in uh, investments that are suitable for them. And so you have FINRA has specifically come out and said, we're going to be looking at apps this year that have interactive elements. We're going to be looking at apps that provide recommendations. We're going to be looking at apps that might influence customers to engage in certain types of trading. This all goes under that suitability rubric. Are you putting your your clients into situations where they're engaging in trading that may not be suitable for them? You see, this is a real rabbit hole you potentially can go down to. And the question is, how aggressive do you want to be on the whole suitability question? My point is, this is a much more fertile area if you want aggressive regulation than trying to figure out whether there's market manipulation. Finally, a very famous fund is going public today, the Magellan Fund. Now, those of us who are of a certain age remember this fund very, very well. The the mutual fund still exists, existed for many years. It will continue to exist, but it is now going to trade as an exchange traded fund. This fund was the most famous fund in the world many years ago when I started back in 1990. It was led by legendary investor Peter Lynch from 1977 to 1990. At one point, it was the largest fund in the world. It had 100 billion in assets. Now it's the mutual fund is down to about 22 billion. This is a large cap growth fund still. It was then. And Peter was, of course, famous for his stock picking abilities. Uh, and uh, David and Carl, I'm sure you both remember uh, Peter Lynch Uh, And this is a real sign, again, about movement from mutual funds to ETFs, more tax efficient, uh, easier, can trade it in the middle of the day. And uh, that ETF revolution just keeps on keeping on. Guys, back to you. Wow. That's amazing, Bob. Uh, Yeah, that's a bit of a history lesson, too. Uh, Bob Pisani, thanks. As we go to break, we mentioned yields are on the rise this morning. Uh, Jobless claims came in below 800K, best since November. Productivity did slide more than expected in Q4. Uh, Europe, uh, the 10-year bond uh, hitting its highest level since September. The Italian yield pulling back a bit after Draghi does accept that mandate to form a new government. We'll finish with a look at the dollar. And by the way, VIX uh, getting awfully close to 22 We're back in a moment. I get to sit on CNBC and have this conversation with you because of one fundamental reason, and that was when I was growing up in the inner city of Philadelphia, the social engineers in Philadelphia at the time when Dr. King was leading the protest in the 1960s, for reasons I don't yet understand, decided to take a few inner city black kids, put them on a bus, make them ride 90 minutes to different schools to get a rigorous education. My class had 1,400 kids in it. There were nine African-American kids. I know for sure that 
What put my life on a different trajectory was that someone intervened to give me an opportunity to close that opportunity gap. And that opportunity gap is still there. That's uh, Ken Frazier of Merck uh, stepping down as CEO in June. That was a soundbite, Jim, from last June when uh, Black Lives Matter was really at the forefront of the conversation. Uh, but remarkable to hear him talk about his, his growing up in inner, Philadelphia, inner city Philadelphia. As he said, 1,400 kids in his class and nine African-American kids uh, changed his life. Just incredible. Uh, a little piece called The History Makers has a nice little bio. December 17, 1954, born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to janitor and former sharecropper Otis Tinley Frazier and homemaker Claire Elizabeth Frazier. Uh, sharecropper, uh, look at this monumental, uh, monumental situation, what this man has accomplished. He's a role model for everyone. And all I can say is, is that I'm so glad he's going to be staying on executive chairman because he is, is, is epitomizes the new America, and uh, he, we got to do more. Here's a reminder: we all must do more. Those who don't think we need to do more, uh, go listen to Dylan. The uh, the times they are changing. Uh, indeed, uh, Jim. Uh, although Ken stepping down, Roz Brewers. Uh, moving up over at Walgreens. So we're going to keep an eye on, on diversity in the C-suite. Take a short break here. Be back in a moment. Quick check on GameStop. Uh, down 10% here. Uh, taking out yesterday's intraday low. But has not quite dipped to Tuesday's low of 74.22. We'll keep an eye on that as Yellen meets with regulators this morning. We're back in a moment. Jim, what's on Mad tonight? To nest or not to nest, that is the question. We've got Clorox and then just traditional industrial Rockwell automation. People love those stocks. I cannot wait for tonight. Another fabulous show, guys. And I cannot also wait get, to get back to the office when I get my stitches out and just come roaring to Englewood Close. <laughs> I'll be here. Uh, it's good. Yes, we can't wait, Jim. We'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock on Mad Money with Jim Thank Kramer. You. Thank uh, you, guys. 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.